What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh. All right, everybody. Hey. Welcome to uh, Coach Crypto Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner, and we're going to finish up the part two of the last episode we did. We're going to finish up the story of where uh, a couple of friends are going to a house and they like being foreclosed on and they found someone crashed, like crashed over you know and they captured him with a rope and they rescued him with a rope and stuff i want to finish that up and then uh, see how that goes all right so finish up the story and then i'll record some more episodes we're gonna go to uh brazil after this visit and talk about the cryptids and Folklore in Brazil. Alright, so continuing on with the story. 2.06 a.m. They drug him into the house and laid him down next to the fireplace. Becca, I need that first aid kit and a needle and thread. Got it, Becca replied, running up the dark stairway with her flashlight. Vicky, Give me a clean rag from the kitchen, Paul demanded. Now fully switched into his EMT disaster persona, Paul rolled the man on his side to light the wound by the fire. He threw a blanket over him and placed one of the throw pillows under his head. He shook the man a bit to wake him up, but got no response. Paul smacked his face a couple of times, not hard, just enough to make his cold, damp cheeks flap a bit. The man groaned and opened his eyes before drifting back off. Just then, Vicky came back with a rag. Can you keep pressure here, please? Hold it tight. We need to stop the bleeding so I can stitch this. Upstairs, Becca was having trouble locating the sewing kit that her grandmother had kept in the vanity of her bedroom. She remembered that it was always kept in the top right drawer. The summer she had spent there included many hours helping grandma stitch together gifts for her family and friends. She would turn baby clothes into memory blankets and embroider Bible quotes onto Christmas ornaments for stocking stuffers. Becca should be able to find it even if the only available light was her own, her now dying flashlight. She stopped her search for a moment, calming down and realizing she needed to clear her head. She was panicked from all her actions and maybe too distracted. She looked at herself in the vanity mirror and whispered to herself, 
Where the fuck is it? It was then that she heard a bassy hum. Not behind her or anywhere in particular. This seemed to be coming from all around her. She looked into the mirror. In her mind, she imagined she would see some kind of monster. Probably an old woman in a black dress, she thought. Like half of the horror horror films she had seen in recent years. This wasn't the case, of course. There was nothing. She turned around quickly. Her light turned with her, surfing over across the walls. The sound stopped. What the fuck? Becca, what's the holdup? Paul shouted from downstairs. I can't find the sewing kit, she replied. She went to open the next drawer. When she reached for the handle, she realized the sewing kit was in her hand. Do you need help? Becky shouted. Becca stared down at the old sewing kit. She struggled to think of when she may have picked it up. She then shook her head, shrugging it off as we all do from time to time when things are unexplainable and aren't worth investing too much time into. I found it. I'm coming. Becca ran downstairs and into the living room. She had she handed the sewing kit to Paul. Here, she said Becca. Thank you, said Paul. Paul threaded a needle and asked Vicky to remove the rag from the wound. Paul stitched the gas to his best ability and they bundled the man up close to the fire. The clock now reached 2.49. Paul went to the sink to wash the blood from his hands only to remember the water had been shut off. He sighed. Becca walked over beside him and pulled another bottle of wine off the rack. Jesus, Becca, Paul said it was work. The hard part is done, right? I'm not planning to sit here and watch that French dude sleep. Want a glass? Uh, yes. <laughs> replied. Paul replied. Me too. He's not French, though, Becca said. Be- Becca, Vicky said. Definitely Spanish, said Paul. How do you guys know he's not French? Mila Kunis is Russian, but looks Greek and has an American accent, said Becca. Have another drink, said passive. Becky said passive aggressively. Her tolerance for Becca's was running thin. I will. Thanks. <laughs> First thing in the morning, we need to walk to the nearest neighborhood neighbor and call an ambulance. He needs a hospital. I think we should try to wake him up, Paul said. Let's do it. Come on, said Vicky. They stood over the man. I want to know what's in the bag. Isn't that bothering you guys, said Becca? No, I kind of want to know, said Paul. He has something he isn't supposed to have. Oh, you guys, what if he's a bank robber? That case is probably full of money or jewels, said Becca. Maybe. My guess is no. It could be medications, said Paul. Yeah, you're right, Paul. It's probably 25 pounds of blood pressure meds, said Becca, joking at Paul's expense. No one carries meds in a bag like that. Also, I think most people don't handcuff their medications to their wrists. Actually, Paul, you're a dumbass, said Becca. Paul rolled his eyes. You're hilarious, he said sarcastically. The bag was brown leather. It was very worn and appeared to be an antique. It had a combination pileup on the front next to three large tiers. The bag, 
looked as though someone had tried to break into it at one time. The leather was most damaged around the lock. There was a small hole dug through. If you looked in it, you might be able to see what was inside. Becca knelt and slowly leaned in toward the bag. What are you doing? said Paul. Becca turned on her flashlight, which flickered a couple of times and let off a low glow. She signed a light into the hole. Do you see anything? asked Becky. No, it's not big enough. She put her finger up to the hole and began to pick at it. The man made a noise and grunted. This startled Becca. She jumped a bit. After a second, she went back in for a second attempt to widen the hole. This time, she stuck the end of her index finger in and began to bend and stretch the leather. Ouch! What happened? Are you alright? I don't know. Something stuck me. Let me see, said Paul. That's a burn, said Vicky. Becca sucked the end of her finger and shook her hand back and forth a few times, shaking the pain away. The skin of this on the end of her finger was white. Most of the skin was peeling off. What the hell is in there? Paul said under his breath. He put his ear to the case and for a second he heard a low vibration. He placed his hand on the case to see if he could see the rumbling. That's when the man woke. No! The man screamed. He jumped back and put his back to the base of the sofa, clutching the bag. Becca's eyes widened in surprise. Vicky jumped behind Paul and grabbed onto his shoulder. It's okay, said Paul, with his palms outstretched in a peaceful gesture. The man looked very confused and angry as he looked around the room, assessing the situation. I'm Paul. This is Vicky. And, there, that, and that's Becca. Becca raised her hand and waved. The man took a breath and seemed to relax a bit. Nicholas, the man said. Hi, Nicholas. Do you remember what happened? My ship sunk down in this storm. The man replied. He spoke English, but not well. Was there anyone else on board? No. What's in the bag? said Becca, abruptly. Becky shrugged. Give him a minute, Becca. He just woke up, said Paul. I'm not grilling him. I just want to know what burned my finger. This could be serious. What's in the bag, Nicholas? Nicholas said nothing. He looked to Paul. Nicholas, I'm going to take this flashlight and look into your eyes. I need to check for concussions. For a concussion. Is that okay? See? <coughs> Sorry. Paul moved in closely to Nicholas and brought the flashlight to each eye. Wow, said Paul. What? asked Becca. He doesn't have a concussion, Paul said, smiling. Nicholas, you have a head of steel. It's good, said Nicholas. Yes, it's good, Nicholas smiled. So now 3.37 a.m. in the story. See what's happening. Okay, so uh, so far they brought back to the house and they cleaned them up and something burned the little lady's fingers. 
It's now 3.37 a.m. Everyone had fallen asleep. Becca was the last person to nod off. She felt as if she was the only one concerned for their safety. They didn't know this man and obviously he was hiding something potentially serious. Becca wondered how Paul and Vicky could dismiss this situation so easily. What was this man doing on the water? A storm so serious in the first place. He had to have been running from something. She thought what kind of trouble they could be in. It could hurt them or whatever trouble he was running from. They catch up with him and they would be there to take their wrath right along with him. The clock now reached 337 and the storm had finally let it up. The house was totally silent, all for the winds whistling through the trees in the yard. All at once, the silence was broken by a crash. Everyone sat up. What was that? said Vicky. It sounded like it came from outside, said Paul. They all ran out from the front yard. In the driveway was a car. The hood had been crushed by one of the larger cottonwood trees. Son of a bitch, said Vicky. The Spanish man's face was one of dread. Becca looked at him and said, What, Nicholas? What's so scary? Becca began interrogating the man. Becca, leave him alone. He didn't do this, shouted Paul. I know he didn't do it, but look at him. He's scared shitless. He's trembling. Why is he scared of a fucking tree? Does this not seem weird to anyone else? Nicholas, what's wrong? You're being crazy. It was loud. It startled, it startled him. It scared all of us, said Vicky. The tree then exploded into a storm of flames so powerful that it blew their hair back. The Spanish man dropped to his knees and started to pray. He's crying and shaking. Although his prayers were in Spanish, one word was understood by Vicky. Perdónalos translates to English. It comes to spare them. Yeah, perdónalos. Yeah, sorry. Okay, Vicky stared. Hold <coughs> on, story. Vicky stared at the man. Her concern was now coming closer to being on par with Becca's. She turned her gaze back to the burning car and tree. Paul looked at Vicky, seeing her face. He now knew that something was horribly wrong. A bassy, vibrating rumble began to trickle in from the trees, and the winds picked up. Another tree fell. The rumble began to surround them. We needed to get inside, said Paul. Sound just loud enough to be heard over the roaring winds. All at once, the storm returned in full fury. Come on. Becca fully pulled Nicholas to his feet. He was dead weight, refusing to stop his prayers. Finally, she got him up and pulled him to the house as Paul went for Vicky. Vicky had not left her spot. She said, staring at the flames. We have to go, said Paul. They're saying something, she said quietly. Vicky, we have to get inside. Vicky snapped out of her trance and ran inside with Paul. They slammed the door behind them. Nicholas was still praying under his breath. His eyes were closed and he was hugging his bag tightly. Becca marched toward him. His prayers continued growing. Anoki ande en bala de sombra de mute. No temre mal alguno porque tu 
Dallas, Mingo Tuvera, Ito Kayato, Meet, and Fudren Aliento. Tell us what's going on, Becca shouted. Nicholas, you need to tell us what is happening, said Paul. His first stop. I tried to keep it away, Nicholas said. What? What? Tell us, man. Becky shouted. Them. It. Okay. Okay. Listen, calm down. Come here. And sit down, said Paul. Taking the man's arm and help him stand. Nicholas sat down on the couch. He reached for Becca's half-empty bottle on the end table and took a swig. I did as, as, as something terrible. I was a young man. I did not know. I touched him. Just a touch. He took another drink. A drop of red liquid rolled from his lips as he brought his hand up to wipe it away. He said, I was work a job for, for the periodico uh, newspaper. I took pictures. A collector of cursed things opened a museum in my town. I took pictures of all the things. When I saw the monikas, I could not look away. The collector warned me about the power. I did not believe it. The reporter and the collector left the room for a moment, and I picked one up. Monikas, I suppose? Dolls, said Vicky, with a tone in her voice that Lika still her opinion about how ridiculous this was. They aren't all evil. One pulls them to the light. It holds them back from doing worse things. Jesus Christ, said Paul. Paul, said Becca. Yeah? Shut up. What happened, Nicholas? said Becca. People became different, hurt themselves. They hurt their friends. No one lives but me. The Munekas, they don't go away from me. So I throw them out, burn them. What do you, why do you keep them? Said Paul. I touched them. Now they are stuck with me. I thought I could leave. I went home to my family for the first day after. He took another swig of wine. <coughs> Shit, dude. Bookie stood there, not sure what to say. I cut them up, burned them. After I finished, I realized I've only hurt myself. Nicholas pulled up his sleeve, revealing terrible burn scars and slices all over my body. Paul stood dumbfounded. I've been at sea many years. That is the only way I keep them from hurting anyone. Every few weeks, I must go to town for supplies. I pray to God that I am quick enough. Why am I doing like a Russian accent right now? Sorry. Uh, I pray to God that I am quick enough that they don't hurt anyone. Sometimes I'm not. Why don't they hurt you, asked Becca. I am the host. You have to leave now, said Becca. We can't do that, Becca. Calm down. You'll die out there in the store. Paul, Paul said. Paul, you could all die if he stays here. He has to go. I'm not going to be part of a killing anyone. Suddenly, Becca felt a razor-sharp pain in her side. It took her breath away, her eyes wide in shock. My lord. Okay, we got some cursed dolls in the story. Excuse me while I uh, take some drink of water. What is this? 
too much more. Alright. Um, sorry, I was like looking ahead. Guess I'm, I got it's a circle bottle, dude. Like, not a sponsor or nothing, but shit's good. It's getting that black cherry flavor. Um, nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with five to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10, H-E-R-O dot C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What we got here? Yeah, 5.01 a.m. Vicky had plunged a steak knife into Becca's side. Becca let out a shrieking scream, pulled the knife out, and reinserted it between Becca's bottom two ribs. Becca turned, and with her adrenaline pulsing, she swung. She delivered a power punch to the side of Vicky's head. Paul ran over to grab Vicky. Just before he arrived, Becca had grabbed the metal lamp from the coffee table and knocked Vicky again on the side of the head. She lay on the floor unconscious. Becca fell to the floor, breathing heavily and panicking. She felt the warm blood drooling through her teeth, down her back and side. Slowly, it seeped into her jeans and down to the floor where it pulled on the rug. A nugget in the valley de sombra de muerte. No tiene mal alguno. Porque tú estarás conmigo. Tu vara y tu queado me. En fundamento. Paul had pressure on the wounds as tightly as he could. Don't panic. Breathe. Take deep breaths. Paul listened carefully to her breath. He, could, he didn't say anything to Becca, but sacredly he feared she had, punctured, she had a punctured lung. She had not. Ooh. What the fuck? Don't try to think. Hold this tight. Paul placed her hand on the wounds and pressed down. I have to go to the kitchen and get some rags. Look at me. You've got this, Paul said. Yeah, replied Becca. Paul got up to his kitchen and saw that Vicky was gone. He stopped and looked around the room. Paul, where is she? Just keep the pressure on there, okay? You're going to be fine. Paul ran to the kitchen. He grabbed the last two rags from the drawer. 
He turned and found that Becca had gone ghost white and was sweating and shivering. He grabbed her under her armpits and pulled her closer to the fire. She grunted hard from the pain. They don't look that bad. It looks like she didn't get any organs and don't look too deep. Paul, I need a doctor. I'm going to die. I feel like I'm passing out, Becca said, gurgling up blood. I know, but listen, the phone is out and we don't have a car. We need to keep here warm by the fire. We just need to keep pressure on it. When the bling stops, I'll sit these up. The sounds of glass being smashed and screaming echoed down the hall. Where is she? Paul. She was right there. Where is Vicky? Calm down. I'm going I'm going to go find her. That's not your friend anymore, said Nicholas. She's fucking crazy, Paul. I'm scared. Stay here. If she comes back, we'll deal with it. Becca pleaded with Paul. She's our friend. She's going to kill herself up there. I'm I'm going. I won't let her hurt you. Paul walked down the hall into the shadows. Nicholas passed the bottle of wine to Becca. He is a fool, but it doesn't matter. None of you will live. I'm so sorry. The sound of the vibration began to creep into the room. Suddenly, the smell of burnt hair hit Becca's nostril. She looked around the area of the fireplace and couldn't see anything burning. She, she then looked over at Nicholas. The handcuffs around his wrists were glowing red. His skin was sizzling. They were faceless. You're burning. Were the only words that Becca could muster. She tried to scoot herself over to him, but the stabbing tender pain in her back and side quickly put a stop to that. Nicholas was not directing in the slightest. The humming was louder now and occupied by a rumble. As Becca watched in horror, his wrists began to drip frittering down to a mixture of char and melted flesh. The smell was putrid. Hey, Becca screamed, Paul, I need you. Nicholas's free hand reached out and began to dial the combination into the locks on the front of the back. Nicholas, stop, wake up. She kicked up him in the thigh and hip bone. She tried to kick the bag away from him their legs but couldn't reach as Nicholas dialed in the last number the, the bag made a soft clicking sound he picked up the bottle of wine smashed it into pieces on the hardware floor slowly he began to put the shreds into his mouth and swallow gagging and drooling slobbering slobbering blood Paul hurry the roof of the case began to rise the case slid across the floor to Becca with a quick force pulling Nicholas over, causing him to fall to the floor. He continued swallowing glass in the fetal position. They were simple. From the story Nicholas had told, Becca expected them to be scarier. Her mind had concocted a vision of gruesome-looking voodoo dolls with jagged teeth and beady wooden eyes painted red, probably with the blood of goat or child. But no, Becca knew these dolls from the path. Stuffed and stitched with juice string faceless. Becca remembered the dolls had been in her head. She thought this tired mess may have been caused by them going all the way back to the storm rolling in and their car hitting the cliffside. Six of the dolls looked identical, but the seventh had a white powder like fabric. 
This must have been the good one, she thought. Dolls all, all at once sat upright. Then they stood, as if being controlled like a marionette. They rose into the air and the six formed a circle with the white doll in the middle. Becca watched the dolls closely. One by one, the black doll's heads fell to the center of the circle. The white doll in the middle began to twitch. The limbs of the dolls started to pull in all directions. Not a sound was made, but somehow she could feel the thing screaming. In her bones, she could hear howling pain of what should be an inanimate object. Paul came running around the corner. Becca, I got her. So Paul, with an ear-to-ear smile in her right hand, in his right hand, Paul held a steak knife he'd taken from Vicky. In his left hand, he held her head. Vicky's mouth hung open, her eyes milky and rolled back into her skull. Paul began to stab the head again and again. The sound of a knife hitting the bone was loud in the quiet room. Thunk, thunk, thunk. Becca was frozen in shock. The only reaction she was able to get out of her out was her quivering lip and teary eyes. She knew that she was totally vulnerable and was more than likely about to die. Just then, the six dolls began to rotate in the air. The seventh white doll held still in the center of the circle. Ooh, a lot happening. Shit's really gone off crazy, bro. Oh my god, dude. Okay. Talk about a bad weekend, dude. It was at that moment that she was flooded with adrenaline that went that we hear about in news articles. The woman who lifted a car off of her child. Suddenly she felt no pain. Her vision was tunneled and her mind had only one thought. Run. Rising to her feet would have been excruciating if not for the adrenaline pumping through her body. Becca popped up like a mar- marathon sprinter. She puts off her t- right leg and like lightning, Nicholas' bloody hand reached out, grabbed her ankle. She tripped and fell to the ground. She looked back to her feet to get an idea of where he was, he was and with all her strength, kicked him in the nose. His nose broke sideways and his teeth protruded through his bottom lip. His hands released her. She rose to her feet to find herself staring to Paul's chest. Paul stood totally still. Becca looked up to his eye level and saw that he was not looking at her. He was looking over her shoulder. Just behind her hovered the white doll. It began to lift, let off a hum. The pitch was higher than others she had heard. Paul looked down at Becca. What's wrong? asked Paul caringly. Nothing. I'm okay, Paul, said Becca in a calming voice. I just need you to stay here. I'll be back in a minute. I need to go to this restroom. Okay, holler if you need anything, said Paul. Smiling, showing the blood in his teeth. Thunk. Thunk. Becca quickly made her way down the hall. She told herself not to look back, but she couldn't resist. Brought her, she saw Paul straddling Nicholas and plunging knife to his stomach repeatedly. The dolls continued to dance, levitating in the center of the room. The hum was louder than ever. She could see Vicky's head laying on the floor, her best friend 
beautiful face, sagging and full of holes. You stare at that macabre expression. Becca stopped running and took a second to watch. Peaceful, Becca thought. Uh, the coagulation seemed to glow by the fire, illuminance of red. Becca was 16. She had a surgery to remove her burst appendix. She was terrified of surgery and was in the midst of a terrible anxiety attack as he took her into the operating room. A nurse injected her with uh, Ativan to calm her down and she felt an immediate euphoria. She started to giggle and had never felt so at peace. Sharing that Vicky's severed head had given her the same sensations. Hmm, interesting. Okay, why was it giving you that sensation? Then the feeling grew stronger. The feeling of your mother's fingernails scratching your back as you lay in her lap watching a movie before bed. The ultimate sensation of comfort that we all romanticize. She looked up at the doll with now an aura of pink and blue pulsating and spinning with them. Becca realized everything she had believed about good and evil was wrong. Life is wrong. It keeps us away from peace and an almost a constant pain. The arguing, the politics, the destruction of everything we love. Human beings are evil things with good intentions. Why were we born? We must spend every moment consuming in the pursuit of happiness instead of being happy. Letting yourself die will end all of that. Becca saw it all in Vicky's face. That message echoes through the ether. Okay. That's weird. Obviously, the doll is like putting a spell on Becca. Becca's vision began to blur. She felt tired. The vibrant colors grew grim and the vine aura around the dolls turned crimson. She fell to the ground. The next few hours came to her in bursts of hazy consciousness and twilight state. This one is alive. Oh my God, get back up. Is anyone in the house? If you can hear me, I suggest you call out now. Gunfire. We will live with them. Vultures put my mother's corpse apart. Beat us. Beat us. Becca opened her eyes and looked around the room. She saw blood splattered walls and the mutilated bodies of a dozen police and paramedics. Short sirens perching as she drifted back to sleep. When Becca regained consciousness, she found herself lying in a bed. The sunlight was shining brightly in her eyes, the windows to the left. She looked around the room and saw that she was in her childhood bedroom. There was a medical equipment and hallmark cars littering the room. She rolled on her side to begin to sit, but the sharp pain in her back and side put a stop to that. She grunted in pain. Then she heard footsteps moving quickly down the hall toward her room. Her mother entered. Sweetheart, Jeff. She's awake. Her mother ran to her and sat down on the bed, grabbing and squeezing her. God, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been so scared. Becca's mother said, crying. Her father ran in with tears in his eyes. Thank God, said Jeff. Did anyone else make it, said Becca. There were deep haze of medications. Well, we can talk about, we can talk about all that later, baby. Give yourself a little time. You're so strong said Becca's mother, a smile on her face and tears in her eyes. Her father sat on the other side of the bed and shook her head. Becca, we found a dolls in your bag, said Jeff. In my bag? 
Yes, baby, these belong to you now. Our family is blessed, said mother, said her mother. Becca looked at the dresser against the walls behind her parents. Dolls sat on display. Becca watched as the dolls rose and danced in the air. Mom, you have brought peace into our town. We all see it so clearly now. We can live in the light, said Jeff. Outside of her bedroom window, sirens, screams, and laughter could be heard. God bless you. Well, okay. Crazy story. Crazy story. Uh, dude had a curse, a bag full of cursed dolls that make people go uh, psycho and like lose it and start killing each other. Making that's an insane story. That was uh, scroll back up here. That story was seven things in the Spanish man's bag. It was written in February 12th, 2022, by uh, Jordan Epperson. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Mr. Jordan, for writing that story. And I'm going to upload this now. It's sorry, March 28th. I'm gonna upload it, and then I'll start on the next episode. Next one, next one. And work on other episodes, and let you know. Um, yeah, we're gonna go to Brazil, guys. Um, we're in Brazil for cryptids and folklore, and I'll be see you. So I'm going to start that in the next episode. And you hear that episode is going to be settled for next week. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll see you next time. Uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all Cozy Cryptid Podcasts or Chrissy, Cozy Cryptid Pod. You should see my uh, logo and stuff. And enjoy. Uh, you can find this episode everywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, remember to leave a review and uh, comment and subscribe and all that and blah blah blah. You know, you know, like every like social media, like content creator stuff. You know, like follow all that jazz and review and what we think. And see you next time. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.